Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back to the Baltimore Show. We got we we have a new show course party we want to bring to you today. A buddy of mine and John's, a former coach of Tennessee State, Travis Williams, will be joining the Baltimore Show as a basketball analyst, giving us college basketball analysis and NBA. Today we're going to be talking about the Hawks and the Nets and the Clubs and the Warriors. But first, I want to bring him on. So, Coach, glad to have you part of the team and the crew. What you got? What you be having? You been doing, Coach? I know you're getting back into everything, getting back into everything. Talk to you about your consulting business and what, how you've been giving back to the community. What you got coming up going forward? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity, this platform, and just getting the opportunity to reconnect with you and see all the good work you're doing. You know, especially you know, since I left Tennessee State University, I had an opportunity to start some, you know, my academics and athletic consulting services. And throughout my 15 years of coaching, I got an opportunity to see where young people are not academically and athletically prepared for college and making that transition to college. So I saw a very need for that. So what I do now is I try to provide young people an opportunity, a platform to, to help them in the transition when we talk about dealing with peer and social pressure, dealing with academic athletic expectations, teach them how the whole the process of being a recruitable student athlete and you know, a lot of stuff dealing with the NCA eligibility center. Like with the NCA doing now, there's a whole different legislation that's going on that the young kids from the ninth grade to their twelfth grade year need to be aware of. The, the landscape of academics are changing for young people, young student athletes, prospective student athletes. So so I had an opportunity to, to create something for that niche to help the young people in their transition. Yes, indeed. And, Coach, as you said, the college landscape is changing like crazy with this new autonomy we got coming with kind of the high-major schools doing their thing, even the mid-majors kind of wait in the wind trying to pick up a piece of wherever they may, 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 may fit in. So, Coach, how do you feel about the kids who want to go to the mid-major schools who may not get the kind of benefits that a high-major school would give them? So how are you helping those kids understand the landscape between high-major, mid-major, and lower mid-major as well? As you and and that's the interesting point you brought the Power Five conferences. I was just reading something the other day what these different schools can offer as far as scholarship dollars and and you know the landscape they're going to use that as a recruiting advantage. Hey, I can give you three three thousand more dollars than the next person. That's just from the Power Five, you know, uh, conferences. But but I but I tell these young people and I tell these individuals you have to go where you feel the most comfortable. You know, and ultimately it comes down to to the, the school, the university, the type of academic and athletic resources that are offered, and and, and the player and coach relationship. You go where where you know the coach genuinely care about you because when you look at student athletes and me being a you know a coach in the business and and now being more of a consultant to them, it's, it's trying to break break down every aspect that they need to ask these coaches and, and go in there with their eyes wide open seeing what kind of academic uh, programs that are put in place, study hall, tutoring services, you know, the things that are going on, you know, especially with meals, you know. So it's very important that now these kids should have access to 24-hour meal service when they get hungry at night, you know. So it's just the dynamics. But I think more based off the relationship with the school, the relationship with the coaches and, and the field and how they feel about the whole overall aspects of the program. And I, and, I, and I have to ask you, you know, we've had Coach Hunter on this show multiple times. How do you feel mm-hmm. watching your alma mater, Georgia State, make their run 
in the NCAA tournament, winning the Sun Belt title, and going to the tournament and becoming the nation's sweetheart for at least a weekend. How did you? How did it make you feel? It's been a form of pamphlet alum. Uh, actually, it made me feel really, really good because uh, you know, as a, you know, I was assistant coach during the first time we went to that NCAA tournament. We went to the NCAA final thirty-two. I was assistant coach with Lefty Giselle. That year, we went twenty-nine and five. We beat Wisconsin in the first round of uh, of the NCAA tournament, and we lost to Maryland in the second round. And, and what's a huge game because that's where Le- Lefty Giselle really got his name from, from coaching at Maryland all those years. So it was great to see that. From, from a former student athlete, former basketball player. It was great to see that from a former assistant coach that we were the team that got him started. And then to actually witness it, you know, because this past year I bought season football tickets, season basketball tickets. So from coaching for the past 15 years, I've never been able to do that really. And, you know, being married, going on eight years, having two kids. So just a lot of time. But had a chance to sit back and enjoy that, as a, as you mentioned, as an alumni have an opportunity to take my son to the uh, region down in Jacksonville, you know. So it was great. I was, you know, had a chance to talk to Ron Hunter throughout. I had a chance to spend a little time with him at the Final Four. So it was it was just great. It was just great, you know, feeling good now to see your alma mater doing so well and the program has continued to make strides doing absolutely well. Yes, indeed. And, folks, we're joined by Travis Williams, Boston show analyst for basketball here. Now, standing in the ATL, coaches. The Hawks versus the Nets. It was a game one was a battle. The Hawks had them down by fourteen. Then the Nets made a run led by Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, and those boys making running, making that running one more time. And as you look through the series from, from afar, looking at the Hawks roster, as, as clear as it is with the Nets with Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, do you see the Nets making any adjustments that could help them? get over the hump in game two, or the Hawks will probably win game two, or they may get a game three of Brooklyn or a game four and probably a five-game series. I think Brooklyn has enough to make it a long series for the Hawks. I think when you look at it, I mean, uh, it was just interesting to watch. That's one thing about the playoffs. You really have to come ready to play. And the interesting thing um, that I took away from the game, when I had a chance, I looked at the stats, you know, I mean, let me give, let me break this down for you. You know the Hawks were outscored in the lane fifty four to forty two. You know um, they were out rebounded forty seven to thirty nine. You know, and it's just you know the keys for the Nets to, to really make this a series. You know, once they start stop you know stop turning the basketball over, they were able to execute. They were able to score, and that was very very important. So those are some of the things that that the Nets need to do more and and. But the type of game Brooke Lopez had, he needs to get more touches. You know, I saw where it was during times where he gets 20 field goal attempts. You know, Brooklyn's like 7-0 and during that, you know, time span. So, But, I mean, he, he needs to get more touches, and I think the emphasis is going to be trying to get him more touches. But you have to get, take your hats off of the Hawks. You know, they were doing whatever they could. They were fronting him, you know, not letting him get easy angles in the post. And But, uh but I just I just think the Hawks, you know, they showed some resolve and they end up, you know, like I said, first game, you know, got it out of the way, but they end up playing well to finish. Now, Ronald Holland was asked many questions in the press conference about how Court going 5 for from downtown. I think that, hey, you live with that because if you double Al Horford or Paul Millsap, that could leave him open even more. And that's only one-on-one coverages. So I thought they should play more one-on-one 
Don't double down trying to dig on Millsap or Horford. Let them beat you. But don't let Kyle Corbin and Demari Carroll get open shots or let Jeff T penetrate, get you collapsed, and get you out for Carroll or Corbin for three. He probably should just play straight up one-on-one. Don't try to really help on anybody. Just kind of let Horford and Millsap do what they're going to do and keep Corbin and Carroll in their shooting pretty much contained. Well, you know, I, I just think you, you have to uh, you have to really, really analyze it. You know, I've been on the other side as a coach as well. And, you know, from afar, it looks, it looks easier said than done, but you're talking about the type of Hawks that end up, you know, winning the East because they're a very, very good team, you know. And I think, you know, and you think about it, I think the last month of the season, all those guys made player of the month or something like that. And it's just they play that carefree basketball where – no one gets the credit, and, you know, and that's the style of play. You know, I just think, you know, especially Kyle Corbin, you got you to gotta at least keep arm distance where you got to be able to touch him. You know, that guy got a quick release, quick trigger. And that's one thing they really they have on is being able to make shots. And the interesting thing when you talk about the Nets, the Nets really struggled from the perimeter, you know. They only made, what was it, five, what were they, from the threes, five for twenty from threes, you know, just uh-huh. just a, you know, wasn't a great percentage, you know. I just think they got to be able to make some shots and open up some shots from a net perspective. But I just think, like I said, it comes down defensively when you made that key point, with, you know, Coach Allen. You got to be a defend. You got to be a defend, and that's what it comes down in the playoff, being able to get stops. And yes, we're joined by Travis Williams, our best player on the Boss Man Show, and our injury wise, Coach, we have. Al Horford with dislocated pinky on shooting finger. Paul, Paul Shanahan, rather. Paul Millsap's shoulder is still kind of sore from, from that contusion he took before his season ended. So, but the Hawks have depth. They have Perro Antich. They have Mike Scholar who can make threes. Mike Scott's still a little bit hurt. Also, Elton Brand. So, he feels like the Hawks' front court depth may be able to overcome Al Horford and Paul Millsap have been a little bit banged up this, this series, even though, they, even though they, they're going to play. But, Well, I think you, you, as you mentioned, you're talking about Elden Brand, a guy that's been around, and some of those guys, their bench has been playing well. Even when guys just have, you know, one thing I understood about the bench play, you have to be ready to go at any given moment, you know. And, you know, those guys, uh, Mike Scott, you know, Baysmore, all those guys, and like you say, Elden Brand, uh, Muscala, those guys just have to be ready to go just, you know, when their numbers push. But, but it's playoff basketball. Al is going to play in Paul Millsap. So I'm not too much worried about those guys when, when the lights on, you know, they're getting rehabbed, you know, you know, night and day. Those guys being in constant rehab and doing to be on that court. I just think it's, you know, they'll be ready to play. But I, with the bench, you just have to be ready to play. And I, when I look at what the Hawks have been able to do this past, this season, is the guys has been have to be ready to play any given moment. Now, Coach, this is something that was interesting story from the Warriors and Thugger series. Coach Monty Williams said that the crowd in the Oracle Arena is kind of almost illegal. It's too loud. It's too many, over too many dust people out there pumping in noise. Have you ever heard a coach say something so asinine in your <laughs> life? And if you if you believe that, why say it out loud and they don't get even louder in game two as they were the other night when they played games with Oracle Arena? So in your days of coaching and hostile environments, 
you ever assaulted a, 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 a school or a team or something in those illegally? And if you're like, I'm asking you this, would you ever say it out loud if you believed it? Of course not. I never, I never imagined that, you know. And just interesting that he said that, you know. And, uh, and I've listened to some of the folks, some of the folks comment about that. And then I hear the next day he was something. He was it was a joke, and he meant it as a, uh, you know, compliment, you know, that those guys can have nineteen thousand plus in there, cheering and screaming for the, you know, the Warriors. But, but like you said, I I never would have mentioned it, you know. But it's a part of the process, you know. I've been with teams that love that type of environment and play in those type of environments, you know, that love the crowd and enthusiasm. So it kind of motivates, motivates you. So, you know, I, as you, I, you, you normally give them a pass on that, you know. But it was just some interesting comments, and you know, and he, from my perspective as a coach, he meant it more as a compliment. But you know, it's one where other guys just have to play regardless of what's going on. That's a part of the environment on that. Yes, way. indeed. Well, coach. It was great to get you on the show. Glad you're going to be joining us with basketball going forward, Coach. We'll do it again real soon. And you know what? You need you need me and John. You know we got you, Coach. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Keep up the good work. I'm I'm excited to to join a great team, and and I'm looking forward to to to, to learning and growing with you guys, and and it's vice versa. Anything you need me for, and like I said, one thing about me, you know, I still want to constantly give back to this Nashville community, to Atlanta community. Memphis community, whatever we have to do, you know, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited, you know, to, to, to bring a different viewpoint and bring uh, coaching experience as well as some some professional experience and some international experience to, to the organization. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah, Coach, you got it. That was the former CSU Tigers head coach, Travis Williams, playing Georgia State University. Coach, for the last 15 years, getting the job done. you getting first-hand knowledge from a coach and a player on the Boston Man Show. Coming next after the break. We have our man, Jonathan P. Smith, Devil Sir Yahoo Sports in Memphis, talking about the Memphis Grizzlies on the Boston Man Show. <laughs> 